following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. I think the drive from Chicago to Green Bay is longer than 106 miles, and I'm not sure the Bears had a full tank of gas. They only had half a pack of cigarettes, and they did not wear their sunglasses to Lambeau on Sunday. Good um, one. Yeah, uh, Dan here, Studio B, rolling uh, solo at my house today. We got We got Goldberg on the phone. He's a little under the weather, so... I told him to keep his uh, keep his germs at his own house, so we're gonna we're gonna do the old uh, the old phone in tonight, which is you know we we've we've kind of mastered this. We were struggling a little bit before we came on with me figuring it out, but I think we got it handled. It's amazing how many times we've done it. It's always a challenge when we do it again. Well, yeah, that's you know, look who you're dealing with. So I know I didn't want to throw you under the bus right out of the gate. Ah, uh, so the regular season's over. NFL playoffs start this weekend. Um, you know, we'll do a little recap of uh of week 18, talk about the playoffs this week. We got to uh run down a little bit of the uh the college bowl season and then uh we'll we'll let you go after that and I'll I'll hit all the basketball stuff, but obviously got to start with the Packers and the Bears. Um you were there sitting in a box. Uh, enjoying yep. the 10th consecutive Packers victory over the Bears in what was yeah. one of the more uninspired efforts I've seen um, in a Bear-Packer game from either team in a really long time, and it was really surprising and really disappointing from from my perspective as a Bears fan. Uh, but, but you were there. Um, you know, kind of, kind of, give me your your general thoughts on what you saw. The score and the time of year that that game was, I feel like, should have been one of those grind them out games in the snow because it was so low scoring, no passing, tons of running, but it really wasn't that. Um, I thought offensively, Green Bay missed a lot of finishing drives. Um, I thought, I mean, five sacks by five different guys. Like, I'm not going to sit and say that Joe Barry saved his job, um, but he certainly made a case for it because he was bringing four, five, even six guys at some point, not allowing Fields to get up the middle like Tommy DeVito and Baker Mayfield did um, or outside the pocket, outside the tackles. I thought they contained him really well. Now, I don't know if that's, you know, you might have a different perspective because of Luke Getzey, who no longer has a job. Um, or it was a good job by Joe Barry or just a bad job by Luke Getzey or a combination of the two. I mean, Love's fumble was big, uh, almost handed momentum right back to Chicago. Uh, but I thought, you know, Green Bay came in, did, what, did just enough of what they needed to do uh, in order to get to the playoffs. But 
as much as everybody was fired up and that and the atmosphere was buzzing and I'm not a big rah-rah guy but the stadium was I mean it was yes I will agree with Lafleur at the end of the game it was a playoff atmosphere I don't think the players necessarily played like it uh, but the atmosphere was definitely uh, suited to a playoff game yeah, I would agree. I, I well, I think at least from from the Packers' perspective, it was a playoff game. Um, I don't think the Bears approached it that way. And certainly, you know, for, forget the quality of the play. I thought the Packers just played harder with more with more of a sense of urgency than the Bears did. Obviously, they're playing to go to the playoffs, and the Bears are not. But um, a big opportunity for the Bears to finish the season on a really really high note uh, and knock off, you know, knock your rival out of the playoffs and they they just kind of went up and laid an egg and you know to me um you know Jordan Love is getting a lot of love after that performance um I think I am not sure if if Tony Romo was wearing a Favre jersey underneath his suit but he certainly was waving Packer pom-poms the entire game I just anybody that watched the game just in case you didn't know the Packers are the youngest team in football they only said that about 75 times during the game. Um, I can't think of anything that matters less in the NFL than the age of your team, but they seem to think that was a big deal. But to me, this game was won Monday through Saturday. Um, I, I thought that I thought that Lafleur and Joe Barry outcoached Eberflus and Getze so badly. Um, that, you know, I'm shocked that anybody on that Chicago staff is able to keep their job after that performance. I mean, the coaches, the Packer coaches kicked the Bear coaches' ass. The Packer D-line kicked the Bears' O-line's ass. And the Packers' O-line kicked the Bears' D-line's ass all day long. I mean, there were guys on the Packers running Wide ass open all over the field the whole game. Yep. I mean, I, I it was seventeen to nine, but that was not a close game. I felt like that 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 felt like a thirty to nine game, you know. And I mean, Packers missed a field goal. Packers had an opportunity with the one touchdown that um, that Melton dropped, and you know there were there were the Packers easily could have won that game by three three touchdowns. Right. And you know for. I'm not mad the Bears lost. Okay, you lost to the Packers, fine. It, it was the effort and the game plan and the unwillingness to do anything tricky or risky. I mean, that's one of those games where, like, if I'm the Bears and I'm anywhere near midfield, I'm going for every fourth down. Why not? Why not? You know, it was surprising during the game they had an opportunity to do that, and they didn't, and... Pete and Michael and I kind of looked at each other and I went, why, why aren't you going for it here? What exactly do you have to lose? Right. Exactly. I mean, were, were you surprised given how much Chicago's defense had been improved in the second half of the year, how ineffective they were outside of winning the turnover battle? Yeah, I was. And, and that's a combination I think of, of effort on the player's part and scheme on Eberflus's part. I mean, like I said, guys were wide open in the middle of the field for the Packers all day long, just running 
running like crazy, catching the ball and running for 15, 20 yards after the catch, you know, multiple times throughout the game. It, it was, you know, and listen, I, you know, the, I've heard some bear, oh, you know, the Bears were missing their top corner, Jalen Johnson. It's week 18. Everybody's got guys hurt. I don't want to hear that. Yeah, I mean, the Packers have guys on the team right now who started the year on the practice squad, and they're contributing. Exactly. I, I don't. I don't want to so, hear that. That to me, that's a cop out. Um, but you know, Jordan Love played well. I'm not taking anything away from him. He kicked the shit out of the Bears in the two games they played. He threw for almost 600 yards and like five touchdowns. And I don't think he had. I think maybe he had one pick in the first game, but that was it. Um. And and you know that that's a combination of a lot of things, but to me, that's Lafleur kicking Eberflus's ass, and I just don't know how, as a Bears fan, if I see my coach getting out schemed that badly, for you know both times this year, all four times they've played the last two years, why do I have any sense that that's going to change going forward? Well, I mean. You know, and I know you're you're going to get to it. And we there's been a lot happening today with the Bears and um, NFL coaches and college football and stuff like that as far as personnel. Um, you know, but now I, I don't know. They're in a really interesting spot because they let go basically everybody but Eberflus, mm-hmm. and now it's the trust of polls to let Eberflus pick his replacements when really he didn't do a good job of that the first time so we're you're expecting better things yeah yeah well yeah we'll 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 get to all that here last thing i wanted to hit on the game um and th- th- this really is just a a bigger picture thing with the, with the bears Justin Fields dropped back to pass this year over 400 times, and he ran the ball like, I don't know, 65, 70 times, or, you know, something like that. You know, maybe, maybe it was even closer to 90 this year. Um, not one time in those 450 plus times that he had the ball did he get a flag for a personal foul or a late hit all year long. That's amazing. And. That play in the fourth quarter where uh, Owens just absolutely demolished him a second after he had slid or started his slide, and they didn't call it. And he was concussed. And the referee yeah, he the, went out. Yeah, the referees totally botched that. It should have been a flag because they marked the ball back where he started his slide but said the hit took place before he had started his slide, so they told on themselves there. And then they didn't check him. I mean, he laid on the ground and was holding his head for, like, a couple of seconds. Right. They let him continue to play, and then they stop the game and take him out. And then he's out for, like, he's out for one play. Like, really? That's all it takes for a concussion test is 30 seconds? (laughs) Like, what the hell was that? Yeah, I don't know what those tests are on the sideline, but it's got to be more than follow my finger left or right, up to down. You'd think so, right? Like, what the yeah, fuck? I, that's a good question. They didn't show that on the replay inside the stadium, and I know you texted me, and I know the play you were talking about because it was right coming towards us in the end zone we were in, and it was on the Packers' sideline. 
But I couldn't, I mean, so far away, I couldn't tell one from the other. And since they didn't put it back up on the monitor, um, you know, I, I couldn't tell it was bang, bang from so far away. But I, if, if that's what the replays show, I would, uh, I'd go with you. Well, on and, and they listen to, to be, to be, you know, a hundred percent transparent. Owens led with his shoulder and he, and his shoulder did not hit fields in the head. He feels his head hit the ground because of the collision, but the penalty should so have been called. Whiplash. Yeah. The penalty should have been called because fields was clearly giving himself up before Owens went low and, and hit him, that, you know, but that whatever it's not, I'm not saying that cost the bears the game by any means, but it's just, it's just weird that a quarterback like Justin Fields, who is running around all the time, you, you just never got, he never got one call all year. Seriously. That's just crazy. I'd to like me. to see the amount of plays that he was put in that could have gone either way. Cause I mean, if we're just talking about five, well, I, not I, a big deal, but it, it's got to be more than that. I yeah, I know. Over the last half of the season, it's been a big topic in the Chicago media, and Fields has even addressed it a couple times late in the year. So it's it's a thing with the Bears, and for whatever reason, he's he's not getting that call. But let's move on to the pack. Um, you know how how impressive is this? You know, everybody's all excited in Packer Nation. You you went nine and eight. You guys are making the playoffs. You know, I think half the fan base thought you'd still be good and half the fan base thought you'd stink. So this is kind of a pleasant surprise. But if we look at the last five games and kind of how the regular season wrapped up, is 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 this really an impressive run to you? Are you or are you looking at it in the whole totality or are you kind of looking at how they've been playing? Like, how, how, how do you feel about the, the Packers right now? Michael and I used the phrase listening to one of the many post-game radio shows on the way home from the stadium. And the phrase we had was house money. Bear used it uh, yesterday on his show or two days ago. Wildy talked about it on his show. And I think that's probably where they're at. I mean, considering the number of injuries they've had, how many guys have been missing, how bad Barry's defense has been up and down. Um, I mean, you set out to me, but the goal of the season was to know if love is your guy. Mm-hmm. And I think anything after that is gravy. So, yeah, uh, I think for being, you know, yeah, the, when I heard you say that, this is like the, oh, you know, is Joe Ferguson, is uh, Jake Ferguson, Barry Alvarez's grandson, oh, or did yeah. you know Braylon Allen is 17? You know, stuff like that about the, being the youngest team in the league. And, uh, you know, I think everybody says, no matter who you talk to, coaches or players, that the playoffs are different. And if you've got a lot of these guys that have never experienced that, and even if it's one game and you go down to Dallas and you got to try not to poop your pants, uh, I think it's going to pay dividends, um, you know, in in the future. Love is your guy. Now, I was reminded on Monday that when they were 2-5, and five, Paul, um, uh, the hog, when I was doing sports with him, said that he recalls me saying, blow it up. And probably at the time it was, you know, bad offense and leadership from Lafleur and Barry stunk. And yeah, Love had decent numbers, but maybe you keep him. But you know, you make changes at the top. Obviously, I'm singing a different tune right now. I don't think you can keep going with Joe Barry. I think there's so much inconsistency defensively. That, but like you said, I think he won that game for them. Helped them win Monday through Saturday, um, because I thought his plan was 
fantastic. You know, the players, at least on defense, seem energized in the fact that some of those de- defensive linemen, particularly Devontae White and Kenny Clark, were on field before he could even, you know, plant his back heel on his drop back. Yep. I mean, he had he had no opportunity. But, no, I think, um, you know, I think this is great. Do I have any uh, delusions about them winning and making a long playoff run? Absolutely not. I do think seven and a half points is a little high. Um, but, uh, you know, do I think they could win? Maybe. Do I think they're going to lose? Probably. But that's okay. Uh, you know, I think the experience of just getting there is going to be the main takeaway from this team and the fact that they actually made the postseason after how bad a start they had and how many injuries they had to deal with. Yeah, and, I, and I'm with you with, with Joe Barry and, and that Packers defense. I mean, um, I, I I think there's, you know, I, I think there's a very good chance that the Packers lose this game, you know, 38-20, to 20, kind of a and, – and Sure. Be, just because Dallas's offense at home has been so ridiculous all year and, you know, your guys' defense, like you said, has been very, very inconsistent. I mean – if you just look at the last five games, it's hard to even really determine who this defense is. I mean, you you play the Giants with Tommy DeVito, you lose. Your defense doesn't play very well. The next week you got Tampa at home, you get shredded by Baker. The next week you got Carolina, and the only time all year they put up more than like 24 points is that game they put up 30 and then the following two weeks Carolina Carolina hasn't scored since they played the Packers. Right, I I heard that statistic. Which is they, that's that, amazing. That was Bryce Young's best game of the season too. For sure. You know, you play in Minnesota with basically a high school quarterback. I mean I, yep. I mean what I don't know what the hell that was. And then, you know, you, you you the defense played well against Fields, there's no question. So like, you know, can they carry that over against a much better right. offense? Next week, um, I, I, eh, probably not. It's, and depending how ugly it gets, I think is going to probably dictate whether or not that dude's Joe Barry's back. It's going to depend to me on whether they can make Dak uncomfortable. Yeah. If if that defensive line and those edge rushers or even guys up the middle can get home and make him run around, their running game's not spectacular. You know, their receivers are good. But if you can if you can get to Dak, you stand a chance. So, to me, the first couple of series will will tell me whether they have a good game plan of because that Cowboys line is pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, it'll be interesting to see if Dallas is able to run the ball um, because they've kind of struggled with that at times this year, and you know. The, I, I mean, you, you're going to throw probably Jair on C.D. Lamb and probably give some help. You know, is Dak going to be able to find Ferguson or, or one of these other receivers and, and can Tony Pollard actually show up? Uh, because, you know, it is the Cowboys and it is Dak, and they haven't exactly lit it up in the playoffs over the last few years. So you never know. All right, let's um, let's get to the Bears here. Um, I, you know, as I said, they, they, they blew a huge opportunity, I think here in this game, uh, to really finish the season on a nice note. They've, they won their last five at home. 
If they had beat the Packers, they would have finished three and three in the division, splitting one and one with all three teams. That would have been nice, and they would have had a chance to go eight and five after starting the zero and four this year, which would have been pretty impressive, all things considered. Uh, but they didn't. Um, they 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 do what they do. And as we talked about today, they they basically fired their whole offensive staff. They fired Luke Getze, quarterback coach, running back coach, tight end coach. They're all gone. Um, bringing Eberflus back, which I don't particularly like. Not nothing. It's nothing particularly against Eberflus himself. I think he's a solid defensive football coach, but. It, it's it's hard for me to see a situation where they're dumping Gatorade on him and carrying him off the field at the end of the season. I just I don't think, think he's that kind of a coach. I I, I don't know. Probably you got you got your answer. Do you think the defense got better after he started calling the plays after they let go of Allen Williams? It did. It did. But you know, again, it, it's. You know, as the head coach, and it's like it's like you talked about. You know, this staff he picked, and you fired all of his offensive guys, and then you had the debacle that happened early in the year with the defensive coordinator having to quit because of some legal issue. Um, you know, and and again, this is one of those things. Did did Eberflus have a hundred percent carte blanche on those hires? Was Ryan Poles involved in those hires? I, we don't know how any of that works. So maybe that's not all on him. Um, but you know now you're looking at at a team where you're going to have to hire a new offensive coordinator, and I kind of think you you got to hire that you're going to have to hire that guy before the draft certainly. So is he coming? Are you hiring a guy to come in to work with Justin Fields, or are you hiring a guy to come in to work with a quarterback that you're going to draft? Um. Right. I, you know, I don't know. The whole thing just kind of sucks because it's it's just typical Bears. It's so conservative. You know, I mean, you, you've got you've got potentially a Jim Harbaugh out there. You've got potentially a Bill Belichick out there. And I'm not saying Belichick would be the right guy for the Bears, but point being, there are there are there are, there seem to be better candidates out there that you could pick from that are better than Matt Eberflus um, that would at least, you know, bring some buzz into the, into the building, into the fan base. I, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's just typical bears. It's rough. It's rough, man. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't have any obviously confidence. Like I talked about earlier of, him making the right decisions and that's really surprising to me for polls to put that back in his hand and keep him but if they identify the fact that those are the guys to blame you know i at least for the time being it might stop the gm coach quarterback carousel um i don't know i i'm not i'm not disappointed that as a, for that as a packers fan because it still seems dysfunctional. Um, so, I mean, that's that's good, I guess. But, you know, again, there's always the worry that, hey, maybe they'll actually figure it out. And I know there's probably not a lot of um, positive feelings from Bears fans out there. 
as far as that's concerned. But maybe I don't know. Okay, so your 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 outsider perspective. What by bringing Eberflus back? What do you think that means for the quarterback position going forward? Do you think that that would lean toward keeping Fields, or do you think because they're going to hire a new OC, you'd go draft a, a quarterback? Because if you keep Fields with hiring a new offensive coordinator, this is going to be his third offensive coordinator in four years. What I mean, where do you think? I don't, I don't think they want to start over. Um, I really don't. So I think they bring in somebody and they interview with the goal of saying, hey, we need you to make this offense good with this kid. And we're going to do our best to give you weapons around him. The defense can keep you in games, but the offense needs to hum and be electric. And this is our guy. Now, again, we could, and I I think that's largely up to polls because I think he's, for any personnel decisions, he's going to be in on it. Um, you know, he's going to tell tell Eberflus, you know, you need to get a guy that's going to work with this. Maybe he's going to say, you know, we have the number one pick and here's where, who we're going to draft and we're going to go around this guy. I That's completely plausible to me. I don't know whether it's going to happen. I think we need to wait for the next three months as the draft gets closer about, what's going to go into that decision. Well, it, it'll be interesting if, if, you know, if they decide to bring Fields back and they've decided to bring Eberflus back. I mean, you know, they, they, Ryan Poles is now tying himself to those two guys. And, you know, I think he's probably going to sink or swim with with that those those decisions. And, you know, with Kevin Warren now being the, the, the president and running, you know, the day-to-day football stuff, um, you know, I I don't know how much rope he will give polls. Um, you know, if this if this goes badly again next year, I, I they all could be gone. So I don't know. It just, they the Bears think, the Bears just they don't strive for greatness. They they strive for right. goodness. You know, I mean, I heard Lance Briggs on one of the after shows on Sunday. He said it. He goes, you know, when the Packers play the Bears, the Packers expect to beat the Bears. When the Bears play the Packers, they hope to beat the Packers. And and it's, That's it's a good distinction. It's just a mentality. The Packers in their building, I mean, with the exception of probably three to four times in the last thirty years, I think the expect the expectation in the building and in the fan base was a Super Bowl. Right. You know? And the other couple of times that it wasn't, it was like this year, it was like, well, we should still make the playoffs. And and for the Bears, it just seems like making the playoffs is is the bar. And I don't know. I just don't think you're ever going to be successful if that's the mentality. So, well, hopefully you can have a positive attitude going in and see what direction the team has at the end of April. Oh, well, you know me. You'll, you'll know by then. You know me, Mister Positivity. That's all. That's all you me. Are. You are Mister Glass Half Full. If I do know anybody. So what's up with your boy Rogers, man? Just Dude, get just stayed, just getting in fights with Jimmy Kimmel. I've stayed so far away from this. I've had people send me clips. Just the just stupidity. Um, I I don't know what his what his motivation is for this. I know he made fun of it. Kimmel made fun of him like a year or two ago. But like, 
now this is the time where you, you know, grab the reins and try and get that back. And, and I mean, that's, that and I, I've listened to the audio about how he didn't insinuate that, and that's bullshit because the language was absolutely an insinuation that Kimmel was on the Epstein list. I, you can't convince me otherwise. So I, that's probably as low as you could go if you're Rogers. Um, I think he made some funny points on his appearance at McAfee that, you know, good for him. He, he can, you know, listen to his 10 writers and read off a teleprompter and right. tell jokes. I, I thought that was actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I don't, why, why do we need to do these things? And for, to me as a, as a media member for McAfee to just sit back and just let him run roughshod and do this stuff, that to me, that's very poor. Well, he's not a media guy. He's a football player that has a podcast. Well, he's you know. got a major show on ESPN. Yeah. He's a media guy. That might be their that might be their mistake. Not not necessarily McAfee's. But I mean listen, I it's just two it's two rich, arrogant assholes taking pot shots at, at each other. Um yep. and honestly, I really don't have a problem with Rogers what he said about Kimmel. I think it was pretty clear that it was tongue in cheek. And considering, you know, Jimmy Kimmel and and, you know, what he does to all kinds of people every night on his show, I mean yep. I don't. I I think his reaction was extremely over the top. Uh, but my, the the problem, the one problem I do have with what Roger said was then he gave a uh, he was at a press conference with for the Jets like for the end of the year, and he said we need to keep all the bullshit out of out of the out of the building. And it's like, well, but you're contributing to the bullshit, man. Yeah, but. When has he ever taken responsibility for anything? Well, right. That, that's just the, the lack of self-awareness with him is very evident. I, I, was, I think I was talking to Michael, and he had heard a podcast of one of the Packers players who was in the – oh, God, it was a quarterback. Who was it? It was somebody in the quarterback room, and it wasn't a guy that was very good. You know, it was a – oh, was it Colvine? I can't remember. And he said that every time there was a mistake in the game film rundown, Rodgers would point out that an offensive lineman went the wrong way or the receiver ran the wrong route or came out of it too quick or too late or people were in the wrong position. He said there was never a time where he said, yeah, that's my bad. I got to do that better. Yeah, it's not surprising. Not surprising. Not surprising. Nope. Uh, given what we know. Is it disappointing? For sure. But given how his last few years in Green Bay were and now kind of the, the guy that he's turned into, it's not surprising. Well, not for you to worry about anymore. You guys put your quarter in the quarterback machine, and you guys got a, a, another competent guy. And, and uh, you know, for the next few years at least, you guys should be in pretty good shape. So, I thought it would be hilarious if when he's a free agent, because he's only got that one-year deal after this, um, I thought it would be hysterical if, all of a sudden he decides to walk. Who, Love? Will. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that, that would be funny. But no, he... No. I, no, I, don't, I, I, I think don't what would be funnier is if Rodgers at the end of the year uh, with the Jets uh, decides to leave the Jets and the Bears get rid of Fields and Rodgers is on the Bears at no, like 42 years old. God. <laughs> All right, let's 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 move on to some week eighteen results here. Um, Go for it. Start on Saturday, uh, Pittsburgh in a in a game they had to win 
goes into Baltimore in like a fucking monsoon and wins seventeen to ten in one of the more boring football games I watched all year. Um, Houston and why? Indy. Well, go yeah, go ahead. Why haven't we? By the way, why haven't we developed the technology to wipe off cameras automatically with rain? Yeah, it's a good question. Like, I mean, you can't get a little windshield wiper. I mean, I'm sure like the creators of right. Naked Gun could come up with something like that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's funny. Don't make me laugh. In another win, in another must win, winning you're in Houston uh, goes into Indy and wins twenty three to nineteen. Um, Cincinnati 31, Cleveland 14. That was pretty much a nothing game. Nobody really of note played. Uh, Detroit eliminates the Vikings 30 to 20. Tennessee knocks off Jacksonville 28, 20 to knock the Jags out of the playoffs. Um, gotta be maybe, maybe along with Philadelphia at the end of the year, but Jacksonville gotta be the most disappointing team in football, right? Struggled so bad and with such great expectations. And I was really, really surprised with the win and you're in kind of thing and how they stunk down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I understand Lawrence was hurt, but they lost like five of their last six games, and the only game they won was the one he didn't play. So I right. I don't know what to make of that. It might be nothing, but that's that's not a great thing for them going forward. Um, the Jets, 17, New England, 3. It's the first time the Jets have beaten the Patriots in like 45 years. Um, the Saints just absolutely annihilate Atlanta, 48-17. to 17, And the end of the game had a little controversy with uh, the Saints on the one-yard line up 30 uh, in victory formation and then deciding to hand the ball off. A, a player mutiny in the huddle decided to hand the ball off to Jets get Jamal Williams the touchdown, which leads the Atlanta coach, Arthur Smith, to just lose his mind on Dennis Allen at, at the handshake after the game, um, which I think was partly he was pissed off about that and probably more so that he knew he was getting fired. <laughs> um, I, I that was that crazy. They pulled a Rudy. Yeah. They pulled a Rudy. Yeah. That, and, was, that was funny. We, it, it, that's just one of the weirdest things to me in in professional sports, like the whole you can't score at the end. Like basketball teams lose their shit over this too in the NBA. Because um, guys come in and want to score. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like at the high school and college level, when the end of the bench comes in, it's like fair game. Nobody cares. But apparently in pro football, and this one was a little different. Like this, I think, you know, the, the defense had relaxed. You were in victory formation. They'd kind of given up. Um, so I, I, you know, whatever, just well, when we, when you're, when you're winning by 30, yeah, I don't think that's necessary. If you're up by a three points or seven. Okay. Sure. Sure. And you know, I mean, it wasn't like the, it wasn't like the saints needed points to make the playoffs or something right. either. No. Uh, Tampa Bay beats Carolina nine to nothing. And which was another just what disgusting a, game. What a horrible game. Yeah. Um, Vegas 27, Denver 14. That didn't matter. Um, the Giants 27, Philadelphia 10. This, I mean, I, I I don't know what the hell is going on in Philly, but that team is a mess. I mean, you lose to the Cardinals, and then you lose to one of your biggest rivals. In a game that and if you had won, you, you still might have had a chance. You know, Dallas ended up winning, but still had a right. chance to win your division. Yep. 
That's that's concerning if you're a Eagles fan. Uh, Seattle twenty one, Arizona twenty, um, Kansas City thirteen, the Chargers twelve. The Rams uh, knock off the Niners twenty one to twenty to uh, get the six seed. Dallas thirty eight, Washington ten. Dallas wins the East, and in the nightcap, Buffalo twenty one, Miami fourteen. Buffalo goes from. <laughs> A month ago, probably looking like they're not going to make the playoffs to now ending up with a two seed. Crazy. Right. So I, I, It was a shame that being the end of the year in the last week because of where we were and what we were doing, we I didn't get to watch any other games. Yeah, right, right. Because well, we, were, we were walking around. Dude, honestly, the games were all terrible. Like, most of them didn't mean anything, and the ones that did weren't good games. So you really didn't miss anything. Well, that's good because right now the results, when I looked at them on Monday when I got in, it was like a couple of one-point games, a couple of eggs laid. Mm-hmm. I don't. It was kind of surprising to me. So we've got six coaching openings after today, head coach openings, and we've got two more that we're not sure about yet. The ones we know for sure, Tennessee fired Mike Vrabel, which was a little bit of a shocker. Um, That's what I thought. Obviously, the Chargers fired Staley a couple weeks ago. Washington fires Ron Rivera. Atlanta fires Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith. Carolina had fired Frank Reich a couple weeks ago. And then late this afternoon, um, Pete Carroll is no longer the head coach of the Seahawks, is going to move into an advisory role. Um. That was kind of shocking. I would agree. I just, you know, but Pete Carroll. Listening, yeah, go ahead. Listening and reading his comments, it really sounded like he was a guy that really still had the coaching bug and wanted to do it. Well, that's the thing. I just have a hard time seeing him just sitting in the box watching the games and not wanting to be involved somehow. I, I, I don't know. I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe miss a year and get right back into it. Um, but then, but then we've got two question marks here. We don't know what's going to happen in New England. Um, no, there's been a lot of rumblings that you know Mike Vrabel sliding in there would be the perfect replacement for Belichick. Uh, but I don't think Belichick's going to willingly leave. I think they're going to have to fire him. And that's a that's a tough thing for an owner to do when your coach has won six Super or five Super Bowls, whatever it is. Um, and then the other one is uh, Antonio Pierce in Las Vegas. Sounds like he's going to have the opportunity to get the job, but you know, if Jim Harbaugh decides he wants to coach the Raiders, I don't think Antonio Pierce is going to beat him out of that that job. I'll be interested to see how big of a rallying cry the players put up because it sounded like after the game they were all convinced that Pierce was their guy. Well, and and that usually that really should mean that he's not. <laughs> Anytime the players are 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 going to bat like that, it usually doesn't end well. And we can look at my Bucks here in a few minutes to we'll talk about that with Giannis. Wanting Adrian Griffin to be the head coach, that's just, that that that's a that's a risky proposition. Let let the guys that that do that for a living do that for a living, and players should just play. It's kind of my thinking. Right. Yep. Um. All right. So last thing here with the NFL, we got the wild card weekend coming up. We'll run through a couple of these games, get our predictions. 
Um, first game Saturday, five seed Cleveland at the four seed Houston. Um, who, who do you like in this one? I mean, I really like. I love your your uh, example about how teams, if they all they do is bitch about injuries, all the Browns have to do is say, "Hold my beer." Yeah, right. Um, I, I I think that's really good, and I think they're the better. I think they might be the better team. I think the better story. Well, God, now I now that I say that, I mean, getting Flacco off the couch and into the playoff atmosphere and having him just automatically deliver. I mean, that guy is one of the best playoff quarterbacks mm-hmm. uh, of all time. Um, and, uh, you know, you got a good – this is a good storybook game because of C.J. Stroud and what how good he's been for the Texans. Um, but I, I think I'm going to go with Cleveland. I think I'm going to go with Cleveland on the road into Houston because you got a rookie quarterback starting a playoff game versus a guy who's been there and done that at a very high level. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I just – I think Cleveland's defense is going to be the difference. Um, they've been killing quarterbacks all year long, and, and I don't see any reason why that changes Saturday. Um, second game, Saturday night on Peacock. Number six, yep. Miami at number three, KC. Um, I like Kansas City in this one. I, I just think it, it's going to be cold. Um, it's going to be a night game. I, I just I just don't trust Miami in, in those conditions. I don't trust Tua in those conditions. Mahomes in the playoffs at home has only lost once, and uh, I see KC moving on. I think Miami's done. Yeah, I think I think the last few weeks, my they're just done. KC knows how to do it, and they're like you said, they're at home. The conditions will be favorable to them. Uh, I don't. I and honestly, I don't think it'll be particularly close. All right, first game Sunday, seven seed Pittsburgh at the two seed Buffalo. Who you got? I mean, I really want Keanu Benson to do well, but I think I told Bear that the the Pittsburgh offense reminds me of the Iowa uh, football offense. Yeah, same ugly and, colors too. Right, and and you got Mason Rudolph in there. I, I think Buffalo absolutely stomps them. Yeah, the TJ Watt injury is is a huge blow to to Pittsburgh. I mean, he's really their he's their game wrecker on the defensive side of the ball and I just I'm I'm with you. I I don't see how this game this this should be a a two touchdown victory I think for Buffalo. Um all right. The 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 main game in the afternoon, Packers 7 seed at the 2 seed Dallas. You've already kind of said that you uh you think the Cowboys are going to win that one. Um, I think it's going to be close. I, I I think this is like a twenty seven twenty four game. Um, I, I'm I'm. It scares the shit out of me to think about Mike McCarthy in a close game in the playoffs, not screwing it up. But I just think Dallas at home this year has been such a such a juggernaut. It, it it'd be hard to see the Packers going in there and, and winning. So I, I got to go with the Cowboys. I'm I'm 100% with you. It's not that I trust McCarthy, um, like you said, if it's a close game. Um, but Dallas hasn't lost at home yet. Uh, I think this is an opportunity for Green Bay to get out coached, surprisingly enough, by McCarthy. Um, I don't think it's a close game. I think either Green Bay wins small or they get blown out. Um, just, it just it just depends, like I said, on the pass rush. 
Uh, DraftKings has just uh, emailed me to let me know that the over-under on Jake Ferguson is Barry Alvarez's grandson, and the Packers are the youngest team in the league. Uh, they've set the number at uh, 12 and a half. So. Ooh. Yeah. Hmm. Where are you going? Oh, I'm, I'm over. Especially over, if... Sorry. Especially if... um. If if it's new guys doing the game, so I think if this game's on Fox, it'll be probably Burkhart and Olsen, so it'll be a whole new group of people that'll have to remind you of those things. So if the three thirty game on Fox, is that not Buck and Aikman? Nope. They're on uh they're on the ESPN stuff now. So oh, Monday night? Yep. Gotcha. Yep. All right. The night game on Boy. Sunday is the number six Rams in uh against the number three Lions. Matthew Stafford going home. Josh or uh uh, McVeigh against Jared Goff. I'm going Rams. Storyline. I'm going Rams. Really? I I think that they're playing good football at the end of the year. They can run the ball. They've got um, still one of the best players in football, and Aaron Donald on the on the defensive yep. line. And I think McVeigh against Goff, and knowing um, basically you know, everything there is to know about the player, I think gives the Rams a big advantage. And, and listen, there's a lot of pressure on the Lions. They haven't won a playoff game since, like, 1991, something like yep. that. Um, there's a lot of pressure on this team, and, and I think the Rams are going to go in and get them. There's always an upset on, on Wild Card Weekend. We haven't we haven't picked one yet. This, this is my upset pick. I think that's a fair shake. Um, you know, like, I picked the. I think I picked the Lions for the division at the beginning of the year. I'm mm-hmm. not positive. I think you did too. Um, but it was one of those where you have to prove it to me before I can ride with you. And okay, so they did with the division, but the playoffs are a different animal. Right. Stafford friendly confines. Yep. Um, I don't think they're scared. Um, I, I'm not necessarily thinking the Lions are either. But yeah, I think I think the players that have been there and done that. Uh, and I think experience counts for a lot in the postseason, and that would be L.A. It, it, don't you kind of feel like like the Lions literally have to win the Super Bowl before I think they're good? Right. Or like I, or not, not, I shouldn't say good, before I trust them. Like, you got to win the trust Super them. Bowl. Like, even if they got no, to the trust. Super Bowl, I'd be like, well, you know, I don't know, the NFC kind of weak, whatever. No, trust is the right word. <laughs> All right, last game, uh, Monday night. Number five, Philly at number four, Tampa. This is just kind of, this might be, I think the first game and the last game of the of the lineup here are probably the two worst games. Um, I, I'm going to I'm gonna go with Philly just because I just feel like they, they have better players, but boy, they're not playing good football. That That is for sure. If they lose this game, are there changes made the way that they finish the season? I think so. I think the coach gets well. Well, they yeah, because yeah. they fired their D coordinator like in the middle of the season, and the defense has gotten worse. Um, and that was you know that was the coach the head coach's decision. And you know, yeah, they made the Super Bowl last year, but we've seen that before. Guys, you know, guys have hellacious runs at at a place, and as soon as it goes bad, they're gone. So, right. so you got Philly as well, I'm or Philly? Be- okay. I'm going to go Philly because I don't think that they can put up an absolute third stinker in a row. Yeah, and I just don't trust Baker. Right. I mean, they scored nine points last week. 
against right. against a shitty against Carolina the worst team. team in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, that's 45 minutes of the NFL. We'll hop to college football real quick, and then we'll get you out of here so you can uh, rest, right. rest the pipes. Um, yeah. Bowl season's wrapped up. Um, Badgers lost to LSU 35-31 in the what I will still call the Outback Bowl on New Year's right. Day. Um, very entertaining game. They looked like a completely different team than we saw all season, and with you know with the amount of um passing and things that that they did the way the way they were trying to spread the ball around the field it kind of felt like fickle putting his stamp on the program like hey man i run the air raid this is what we're going to look like going forward the days of turning around and handing it off 30 times a game are over and uh you know badger fans better get used to this i thought your take at the time when we were texting during the game, it was very interesting about why it took so long for this to happen. And you kind of intimated that Braylon Allen uh, not needing to get the ball all the time opened things up a little bit. And and him and Malushi both. You know, I mean, you start the year with that being your backfield. That's kind of the strength of your team, and you end the year with neither one of them. Right. So. I think it probably in the long run will has worked out the way Fickle wanted to because I, I really do. I think we're, you know, I think this is the way he wants to play. Whether or not they're going to be any good doing it, who knows. But I think this is the way he wants to play. And, you know, now you just got to gotta get the right pieces in there because uh, your conference just got a lot better. Right. And I, I was talking about this with Michael. Realistically, I mean, let's be real. You can't all of a sudden pack up the tents and just say we got no shot at winning the championship because nobody's going to fold up. But just realistically, who's coming over from the pack, you've got Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State that are still good. Um, Iowa, you can't, you know, they're always challenging. Right now, even if the Badgers are an above-average team, you're still kind of in the middle of the pack of that giant conference. Yeah, I look at them as the seventh best program in the Big Ten. I think Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, and then uh, USC, Oregon, and Washington right now are all ahead of the Badgers. Right. You know, yeah, is there a year they could be fourth? Sure, but they're they're, you know, them winning the Big Ten is, yeah, it's going to be really, really, really difficult. Um, yeah, and, and you don't get to just run roughshod over the West. And even if you did, there'd be the teams from the pack that are now in there. It's not Minnesota and sure. Iowa that you have to get by. Right. Now it's just one long list of teams. So I saw they got a transfer linebacker in from USC that everybody was excited about. Apparently nobody understands that USC had, like, the worst defense in football last year. But... <laughs> Um, any anything else noteworthy on the on the transfer front that that you got? Well, when I was when I was reading the story um, a couple of days ago, they had eleven players, and I think they've had I think another three or four since then. So they've they've gotten a lot of guys on defense. The linebacker room is going to look completely different. Uh, Ricardo Holman said he's coming back. Uh, he, he, he's a defensive back. He was actually a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. They need help on the defensive line. But, like, I'm really enthused about the offense. I don't know about this Tyler Van Dyke guy from Miami. 
of whether he can just step in. But, you know, you and I were kind of talking about, you know, that's kind of an indictment on uh, the guys that you already have in the quarterback room that they're not ready to take over. Yeah. But, I mean, you saw in that bowl game, Will Pauling is good. Bryson oh, Green yeah. is good. You know, you're you're reloading at tight end. Um, you got a couple of good recruits. I don't know how good that'll be right away playing as freshmen if that's going to happen. But uh, your running back room got a bunch of really good recruits. Um, you know, I'm I'm excited for the future. I don't think necessarily there'll be a a corner turn tomorrow or next year, but I think in the next two to three is when you might see this program really start to to get humming under these under these guys uh, if they all stay there and keep up this momentum with these recruiting classes and transfers and all that stuff. But I, again, that's not saying they're going to contend for a Big Ten title, but I mean they would be at their peak of of what they want to do and how they want to do it. Sure. All right, well, um, we had the national championship game on Monday. Michigan knocked off Washington. Uh, Michigan beat Alabama in the uh, playoff. Washington beat, uh, who did they beat? Who did Washington beat? Uh, who did they beat? Why am I blanking on that right now? I can't even think of it now either. Washington. Oh, Texas, Texas, yes, yes, Texas, Jesus. Yeah. Wow, brain. it's like, yeah, brain lock. Anyway, right. so. It was almost a week ago. We talked about it the What's other that? night. I, I, I've been listening to a few guys, Ryan Rosillo, Todd McShay, guys that are college football nerds. Nobody really very excited with how the bowl season turned out. I, I mean, I think the I think the playoff games on, on New Year's Eve were good. Um, I didn't think the national championship game was very good. Um, and that, you know, that happens. That happens in college basketball sometimes too. Uh, but right. the bowl season itself was just – Pretty uninspiring. Um, that Georgia Florida State game was kind of the epitome of how joke. bad it's got. Yep. I mean, I think McShay said they forfeited without forfeiting, right? Basically, it certainly seemed like it. You know, um, um, but you know, well, and they had they had so many six and six teams against each other because that's your bottom level, and you've got to fill so many. But like. Pardon me. I, being immersed, and and it, I am way more excited for this twelve team playoff because more playoff games just seems to elevate the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And there, there is no uh, being immersed in this thirty two team division three playoff has been so fun for the last couple of years. Watching you know geographic teams play in their particular regions and you know, teams that you've never heard of and possibilities of them meeting for the first time against somebody else that they never play against. Um, you know, I, I I really think they didn't go large enough with twelve. Um, you know, I I don't I don't have any uh delusions about, you know, a six and six or a seven and five team getting in as, you know, let's say they go twenty four and they, they're the 24th seed, they're not going to beat a, a number one team that's undefeated like Michigan or Washington. I don't think so. But Probably not, yeah. Maybe it's entertaining. Maybe it'll cut down, you know, those games um, uh, in the early December, you know, mid-December days and nights leading up to New Year's Day, which nobody goes to, but the sponsorships get their money. And, and I mean, really, players opting out has, has really killed it because you can – you, players are opting out literally up to the day before the game, and that that really really takes 
a lot out of it. Yeah, that and and the the transfer portal being open, um, right. where where you've got guys basically it's it's basically free agency while teams are supposed to be preparing for a bowl game. It just it's just it's just a bad look. It doesn't make any sense. It takes a lot of the shine off of these games. Um, I did see today. I can't remember the name of the business, but there's a business that's trying to start a bowl called the Irrelevant Bowl, where awesome. it, it would be like two one and eleven teams play in this game. Um, I, you know, I think it's just kind of to mock how bad this has gotten. But yeah, it's disappointing, man. I mean, I'm with you. The the playoff games were pretty good. I think 16 is the right number. Um, I think once you get past 16 in football, you're kind of reaching anyway. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think you know, I think there are teams that might have two losses that are ranked in the you know 11 to 15 range that are pr- still pretty pretty damn good football teams that that could sure. knock somebody off. Um, and you know, like like we talked about, that's that's what makes March Madness what it is 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 some of those early upsets. We don't necessarily want to see Loyola in the national championship game, but we do like when Loyola knocks off a Kansas in the Sweet 16. Yeah, you can win a couple of games. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. So hopefully, but I, but hopefully I they go that route. Let's, well, however long, I don't know what the contract is for the 12 team. We'll see how many years that is before people start screaming for it to get bigger. Because yeah. you know that's going to happen. Oh, for sure. No doubt. No doubt. All right, man, you got anything else? No, I don't. I'm, I'm hoping our voice, or my, my voice, is all right by the time uh, we got to call this, you know, quadruple header of high school games on Saturday. But it looks like, for some reason or another, Mother Nature does not want us to do this with how much, you know, we were going to do it a couple of years ago and then COVID canceled some of the games. And yep. now we're looking at doing this this year. And now there's a major snowstorm on Friday night and I'm under the weather. So it's like, maybe if they try this again next year, we just say, you know what? We we've tried it and it, the results haven't been good, but yeah, I'm going to the dock tomorrow. Hopefully, I can get a little rejuvenated and 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 we can pull off this first quadruple header in WCLO sports history. I was looking forward to it. It'd be fun if we could do it, but you know, right. we, we got to have a little help. So, yep, for sure. All right, man. Well, hope everything goes good at the dock. Hope you feel better, and uh, hopefully, uh, the next time people hear us will be Saturday calling a couple games. For sure. Thanks, buddy. All right, man. See ya. Later. All right. So that's about an hour's worth of football. Um, let me take a little drink of water here, real quick. All right. We got to get to a little basketball here before we head out. Um, Bucks are twenty-five and twelve, second in the East. Uh, one and four in uh, 2024. Not a good start to the new year at all. Um, lost at home to the Pacers, 122-113. Then two days later, lost at the Pacers, 142-130. Lost Saturday night to Houston in Houston, 112-108. And then were blown out and booed off the floor at home the other night against the Jazz 132 to 116. Their only win in this streak was at the 5 and 30 Spurs in what was an entertaining game because we finally got to see the Giannis Victor Wembayama matchup that um, people were very excited about nationally. But, you know, a game that 
the Bucks won by four against a five-win team. Uh, you can count me officially concerned about this team right now. Um, something's broken, and I can't quite put my finger on what it is. Uh, the defense continues to be porous. Uh, they're giving up way too many points night after night against um, and allowing guys to get off on them that shouldn't be able to. I mean, there's been so many guards and wing players against the Bucks this year that have gone for 30-plus. I've lost count. Uh, but they're, they're, I don't know. I, the, the chemistry seems off. And, you know, people, you, you talk about chemistry and you, and you think about, you know, all, you know, people getting along or, or not getting along with each other. I think everybody on the Bucks gets along with each other. I just think that the Dame addition has been a lot more difficult than I imagined. And I think it's been very difficult for him. I think personally he's going through a divorce. He's away from his kids. It's his first time in his professional career not living in Portland. So he's probably living in some barely furnished apartment in in downtown Milwaukee right now, if I had to guess. His play has been very uneven. He's had some huge games. He's had some really bad games. I mean, the last two games against Indiana, he was like 3-for-17 and 4-for-20. Um, de- his defense has been, well, we it's been bad. And, and everybody that has followed him and followed the league the last decade knew this was going to be an issue. But I think everybody had faith that the, uh, the other guys on the Bucks would be able to pick up the slack. That hasn't happened. Um, the Adrian Griffin hire has not been very good so far. He's there, there seems to be a disconnect, you know, him and Giannis have had some animated discussions on the sidelines. Um, he hasn't really been able to solve anything here defensively for them. And I'm not putting all of that on Adrian Griffin, Bucks have some serious personnel issues that are hard for him to overcome. Um, you know, somebody asked me, is he in trouble? Maybe, but the problem for the Bucks is if you fire Adrian Griffin, you're probably going to promote Joe Prunty as interim coach. And we prom- we did this a couple of years ago with Joe Prunty when the Bucks fired Jason Kidd. And Joe Prunty was the interim head coach. And yeah, they got into the playoffs, but then he got thoroughly outcoached by Brad Stevens in the in the playoffs. Um if Terry Stotts hadn't quit a week into the season, and you know, people can go back and make of that what they will, um, if he was still on the staff, it might be a little bit different because he's a, a veteran head coach that's been around a long time. But the Bucks really don't have anybody on staff that you could replace them with, and I just don't know how you go and get somebody else that's not currently working to come in and halfway through a season and just turn it around into a championship team. That's that's hard for me to believe that that could happen. 
Um, you know, losing Drew and 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 you know losing Budenholzer has been a much bigger deal than anyone thought. And you know, on the floor, Holiday was as steady of a player as it comes. He never got too high. He never got too low. He seemed to be the leader, but not not a vocal guy. Kind of more by example. Him and him and Giannis both. But I, I think he was right there. And then you know, listen, defensively. I've had people say to me, oh, you know, everybody says Drew Holiday is this great defender, but, you know, why doesn't he lead the league in steals? Or he's this great defender, and Jimmy Butler cooked him in the playoffs last year. Well, that's fine, but just because you get a lot of steals doesn't mean you're a good defender. It means you take a lot of chances. Um, what, what Drew does for your defense that almost nobody else in the league can do is get around and over ball screens. And it's kind of getting in the weeds, and I don't want to get too technical about it on the podcast here, but Giannis brought it up in his little rant the other day about one of the things he said was, we're dying on screens. What that means is somebody comes up and sets a ball screen on me. When I hit the screen, I stop. That's what we're seeing out of Dame, Cameron Payne, Malik Beasley, guys like that, where Drew was so valuable was, number one, a lot of times he didn't allow himself to get screened. And if he did get screened, he was his effort and his smarts allowed him to somehow get over it or through it to still be in good position to make a good defensive play. Right now you watch this, you watch this team and there's high screen and rolls, and it's like either the either the ball handler is coming off wide open for a, for a, a jumper, or the roll man or somebody is standing in the paint wide open because the rotations are all screwed up. Um, you know this this roster unfortunately is old and slow. It's old and slow. Um, I love Brooke Lopez. He's 35. He's he's slow. He's never been fast, but he's slow. Chris Middleton, I love him. He's lost a step, especially defensively. He can't guard. He can't guard like he could three, four years ago. Um, Pat Connaughton's thirty now. He's he's a, a half a step slower. You know, Bobby Portis never a, a good perimeter defender. And and what's ended up happening is like the other night when the Bucks are getting blown out at home by thirty to a sub five hundred Utah team. Griffin ends up throwing in all the rookies. And just because those guys are athletic and they play hard. And that's fine and dandy for a game in January to try to shake up your team. But those guys can't be trying to guard Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, uh, Tyrese Maxey, guys like that in the playoffs. It's just not going to work. Um, they, 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 they just don't seem to be able to match the intensity of a lot of the younger teams in the league. And, and, and I think... You know, the Bucks have to understand that when you have Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard on your team, every night the other team is coming for you. They're coming for you. Like, it's their opportunity to play against two of, two of the best players in the league, two top 75 all-time players. Like, 
teams get up to play the Bucks, and I it, it, a lot of times when I'm watching this this squad this year, I just don't see the intensity out of them, um, night in and night out, and that's it's it's disappointing. And you know they're still 25 and 12. They're still second in the East. They don't really have a signature win. They haven't really beat anybody that's that good outside of opening night against Philadelphia. Um, but they have a chance this week. Thursday night at home, they got Boston. Saturday night at home, they got Golden State. And Sunday at home, they've got Sacramento. So three good teams, big-time players on all these teams. Thursday night's going to be a national TV TNT game. And they got to get up for these games. And they got to figure out a way to be able to compete with these teams. Boston kicked their ass pretty good the first game. The Bucks came back in the second half and made it a game. But, you know, you can't get down 15, 18 points to Boston at home and expect to win this game. So I'm not panicking, but I am concerned. That's for sure. All right. A couple things around the league here. Boston still leading the East, 28-8. and um, Bucks in second, as I said. Philadelphia, uh, same amount of losses as the Bucks, but two less wins are in third. Knicks, Heat, Pacers, Cavs, Orlando. That's four through eight, and they're separated by a game. So there's a pretty big log jam there. Um in the West, Minnesota still leading at twenty six and ten. Oklahoma City right behind them, twenty four and eleven. Denver twenty six and twelve. Uh, the the Clippers um, have really turned things around here in the last couple weeks since uh, the James Harden trade and everybody's healthy and Kawhi and Paul George are actually playing games. They're in the four spot. Um, Sacramento, New Orleans, Dallas. That's five through seven. They're all separated by a game. Phoenix and the Lakers right now are the 9-10 seeds, so they'd be in the playoff round, both at 500. And teams that got a lot of problems, but at the same time, teams that have megastars that none of these young teams, like in Oklahoma City or Minnesota, <laughs> would really want to see in the first round of the playoff series. Um, John Morant came back off of his 25-game suspension, I think about a week and a half, two weeks ago. And he is now out for the year with a torn labrum. So Memphis' season is officially over. John Morant's season is officially over. What a wasted year. I mean, just as a basketball fan, it sucks when when a young guy like that. I mean, we've dealt with it with Zion the last couple years. And, uh, you know, basically John Morant's basically missing the whole year. I think he ends up playing like five or six games. Um. The refereeing in the NBA right now has never been worse. There's a lot of talk about it on social media. There's a lot of talk about it from players in the league. There's a lot of talk about it from coaches in the league. There was a game the other night, Boston at Indy. Jalen Brown takes a jump shot with two seconds left, gets hit in the side of the head. The referees call the foul. Indiana reviews it. They go to the monitor. Clearly, he gets hit in the head. They reversed it. No foul. Ensuing play, Indiana shoots a shot at the buzzer. They blow the whistle, call a foul on the shot on Porzingis. You look, Boston's out of, Boston doesn't have a challenge. 
They go to the replay. They or they show the replay on TV. Porzingis doesn't touch him. Boston loses the game. Last night, Toronto and the Lakers play. In the fourth quarter, the Lakers shot 23 free throws, including 11 by Anthony Davis alone. Toronto shot two. Two. Uh, it, it, it's, it's hurting the product. I think the officials, I think there's, I've said this for years, I think there's too many rules in some of these sports uh, that these referees have to interpret in real time with these unbelievably athletic, fast, strong athletes. And I just don't think most of them can do it. Um, and it's hurt the product. The product right now is not good. When you couple in the, the atrocious refereeing, you throw in still a little bit of load management, though not as bad, and you throw in these games now, that are finishing with final scores of 150 to 140, um, it's just not a good product. You know, I don't... I was thinking about this today. Like, I don't know any 65, 70-year-old Buck fans, really. Maybe one or two. But I know a lot of 65-year-old Brewer fans. I know a lot of 65-year-old Packer fans. But I don't know a lot of 65, 70-year-old Buck fans. and But I know a lot of 65, 70-year-old Badger basketball fans. So it's not that they're not basketball fans. It's the product. And when you've just got a bunch of guys running up and down the floor, shooting 35-footers and playing Ole defense while guys run unencumbered into the paint and dunk it, um... You know, it, it's this is kind of almost like the steroid era in baseball where it's like, hey, you know what will bring baseball fans back after the strike? Let's have every game be 12 to 10. When, in fact, most people are like, uh, I kind of just want to see a 4 to 2 game. Like, to me, that's, that, that's actually baseball. And that's the same thing what's going on with the NBA right now. The viewership on Christmas, I don't think I talked about this on the last pod. It was awful. The NBA, which is owned Christmas Day for years, got absolutely destroyed by the NFL. If you added up all the viewers for the five NBA games on Christmas Day, if you added them all up and multiplied them by two, they still wouldn't equal the lowest watched game of the NFL games. Think about that. There was like 27 million people watched the the 49er um, Raven game on Christmas night. That was the lowest watched game. The lowest watched NBA game was Christmas night, of, and it had 1.3 million viewers. That was the Heat and the Sixers. The highest rated game was the Celtics Lakers. It only got 5 million. While at the same time that game was going on, the NFL game got 29 million. Now, is it fair to compare the NBA to the NFL? Probably not. You know, it's one of 82 versus one of 16. That, that's fair. But it's just kind of a, it's just kind of a microcosm of, of what's going on with the NBA and, and their, their obsession with owning, like, media rights and, and streaming and social media instead of 
owning the actual game. Like, the NFL is all about the game, right? The NBA is all about highlights. I think most young people today, most kids, they don't watch full NBA games. They can just watch the highlights and watch clips on on Instagram and, and Twitter or X or whatever the fuck it's called. But like in the NFL, you watch the game. So I, I don't know. It's it's depressing as a basketball fan. It's depressing as an NBA fan. I don't like where where this stuff is heading, but you know. I don't see anything changing in the near future, unfortunately. So, all right, last thing we got college basketball. Marquette number eleven, sitting at eleven and four right now. Uh, beat Creighton at home, seventy two sixty four. Lost at Seton Hall, seventy eight seventy five. Uh, a lot of people have been asking me what's up with Tyler Kolick. Hasn't been playing real well lately. Um, you know, he's not a super athlete. He's not a elite scorer. He's just a good all-around basketball player. And I think teams have really focused their defense on him and have tried to make him uncomfortable and take away some of his game. And his numbers are down a little bit due to that. I think right now, if you're looking at all Big East, I don't think he's first-team all Big East. And that would have been really surprising to say, um, you know, about a month ago. But, you know, Marquette, their kryptonite is big physical teams. And, you know... We're into conference season now, and a lot of the teams in the Big East are bigger and more physical than Marquette. I, I I think there's a really good chance that this Marquette team, who is ranked as high as three in the country and who I still think is a really good team, I think they're going to end up with more losses than they had last year. I don't think they're winning the conference like they did last year, and I have a feeling they're going to end up with a lower seed in the tournament than they did last year. I think they're going to end up with a lower seed in the tournament than the Badgers. And I actually think Marquette's a better team than they were last year, if that makes any sense. It's it's weird. It's weird how that can work, but I think that's the case. The Big East is loaded, man. Providence is good. Seton Hall, Creighton, uh, Villanova's better than they were last year. Butler's a decent team. Georgetown, shit, they, they've been competitive this year after being a doormat the last few years under Patrick Ewing. Obviously, UConn is, is the class of the league. Um, St. John's with Rick Pitino. They're going to make some noise. Trust me, that is going to be an NCAA tournament team. You watch. So it's, 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 it's going to be tough here for Marquette in the next couple months. They got, they got Butler at home tonight, who they should beat. And then they've got Villanova at home on Monday, who they should beat. But, as I just said, those teams are better than they were last year. No question about it. So, um, Golden Eagles, nothing to panic about. But, you know, you get into conference season, everybody knows everybody, all the coaches know each other. It's about execution. It's about being ready to play. It's about being able to win on the road. And, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily carry over from year to year, even when you've got all the same guys back. So, uh, Bucky number up to number fifteen this week, eleven and three overall. Uh, they beat Iowa eighty three seventy two and beat Nebraska eighty eight seventy two. The Badgers have won ten of their last eleven games. Um, <laughs> I, I had to laugh at, at some of the texts I've been getting from from some Badger fan friends of mine. It's kind of the patented mid-season, early Big Ten season drool fest that seems to happen with the Badgers every year. It's like you go into the season, 
everybody's a little down on the Badgers. Oh, I don't think they're going to be very good. And then they're 11-3, and three and all of a sudden they're ranked, and you get all the, the, the sweater vests with their chest puffed out saying, See? See? This is who we are. We're the Badgers. They're leading the Big Ten again here early in the year. Um, I don't think they're a contender for the Big Ten championship. I just don't. Even though I do think the Big Ten is is a little down this year. I think Purdue's good, even though they lost last night. I think Illinois is pretty good. Um, but other than that, I think uh, there's a lot of mediocrity in the league this year. I think there's going to be a lot of teams beating up on each other, and I think the Badgers are going to have an opportunity to take advantage of that and pad their record a little bit. Um, but I will say they, they're definitely a more athletic team than usual. Um you know, I saw something, I think it was in the Iowa game, that I don't think I've ever seen happen at the Kohl Center. Um, Chucky Hepburn threw it off the backboard to A.J. Storr for a dunk. I almost fell out of my chair. I couldn't believe it. I was, I, I, I just couldn't believe it. A Badger team threw one off the backboard and dunked it. Um, but, you know, this is a veteran team. Tyler Walls, 37 years old. Um, Stephen Crawl's about 28, and Chucky Hepburn's 30. So they should they should be pretty good. These guys have played a shitload of Big Ten games. Um, there's nothing that they haven't seen. They're a veteran group, and they're going to win a lot of games this year. And as I said, I think they're going to end up probably with a better record than Marquette, and I think they're going to have a higher seed in the NCAA tournament than Marquette. That's my prediction. So... They got a, they're at Ohio State tonight, which should be a win, and then they got Northwestern at home on Saturday, which should probably be a win as well. So, you know, we'll see how uh, how this all shakes out. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Badgers go on a massive run here and continue to just improve, 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 and they got a chance to win the Big Ten. I doubt it, but maybe, maybe. All right, well, that's all we got for this episode of The Intentional Foul. Um, glad to uh, at least have have Goldberg be able to hop on, do some stuff over the phone with us today. We went through a lot of stuff, a lot of NFL, so I appreciate him doing that. Hopefully we can be back in studio together next week um, or whenever we're able to uh, to get the next one in, depending on our basketball schedule. So I hope everybody had a great holiday, a good Merry Christmas, and a good New Year's. Um, if you made any resolutions like me, you've probably already broken them, like I have. But enjoy Wild Card Weekend. Enjoy some college basketball during the week. Hopefully we can enjoy some bucks at the end. We'll see. We'll see. So for Josh, I'm Dan. Tell your friends. This has been the Intentional Foul. We'll see you down the road. And I'm sorry, folks. Go Cowboys.